I've mentioned it to my family, but in terms of telling people like, oh yeah, we're doing this, I'm looking for projects. You got anything? Yeah. I'm, I'm not there yet because it scares the out of me. Dreaming of launching your own architecture firm? Well, well, buckle up for a wild ride with Emerging, the podcast that shares what it's really like to start an architecture firm. Where do we begin? We don't even know what type of business to formalize as. Is it an LLC? Is it an LLP? Like, how are taxes? I mean, the list is astronomical. Season one featured founders Jeffrey, Lexi, and Chris, owners of Level Studio Architecture, are your fearless guides on this unfiltered journey from napkin sketches to a thriving studio. One evening, stumbled into one last dive, we sat at the bar and pondered our postgraduate futures. Amidst the conversation, a napkin became the canvas for our aspirations, sketching plans and milestones, sealing our heartfelt commitment and shared dreams. In drawing down dreams on a napkin collectively, that (laughs) then, you know, in your head, you've rooted like, oh, I'm connected to these people, like long term. The process of starting an architecture practice brims with excitement and challenges, demanding meticulous planning, flawless execution, and unyielding resilience. I kind of hate the term because it's so overly used, but I think everybody knows imposter syndrome. And I think it's, it's so real to this day. I, I I don't know if it's with everybody, but with me, I'm always questioning like us, can we do this? Are we ready to do this? Are we prepared? Can we do it? Did we just decide a name? (laughs) We did it guys. One that came out of nowhere. It came out of nowhere. I liked it. I saw it. Ready to turn your aspirations into reality? Follow the link in the show notes to subscribe to Emerging and chart your own path to architectural success. This episode of Spaces Podcast is supported by Sitio Landscape Architecture and NCARP. You'll hear more about them later on in the show. We've worked with those cities up front to say, hey, we're now on project five, six, or seven in your city you know, you've done the same plan check on the same structure five times now. How about we make this easier for your team? You make it easier for our team. And ultimately, it's easier for your constituents if we can make this process easier for everybody. And so we actually launched that program with the city of San Jose back in 2019. And what that allows us now is to get a permit in San Jose in one hour. Oh, wow. Hello. My name is Demetrius. Thanks for coming back, everybody. Now, in previous episodes, we've had a lot of conversations about different housing supply solutions. In this episode, we're going to talk with another company that's doing things a little bit differently, uh, focused around ADUs, but they've really streamlined their process. Today, we're speaking with John Geary, co-founder and CEO of Abodu, the ADU company. And this is a really fascinating conversation that I think you'll enjoy as we dig into a lot of information behind Abodu, uh, their process, how they ship their units, highlight the differences in prefab housing, how their product adapts for a site variation, and so much more. In this episode, I'm joined by my co-host Jason as we discuss Abodu with John Geary. So last season, we had a conversation about SB9 here in California, basically allowing people to build 
additional units mm-hmm. in their in their backyard. Mm-hmm. And at the time, uh, or after that episode went out, uh, our next guest, uh, he and his company reached out to us to have a, a further conversation on SB9, as well as explain a little bit of what he's doing with his company, Abodu. So please help me welcome the CEO of Abodu, John Geary. John, thanks for joining us. Thanks so much for having me, Demetrius and Jason. Good to be here with you both. Yeah, it's great to have you. To start, give us a little bit of a, a background of yourself and Abodu. Yeah, my name is uh, John Geary. I'm CEO and one of the founders of Abodu. Uh, we've been working in the prefabricated ADU space for almost four years now. The whole concept behind Abodu is entirely focused on ADUs across California and Washington. And and really what we've set, set out to solve is making the ADU experience and process faster, easier to approach, and more cost-effective for homeowners in the markets we serve. So how do we actually do that? We build our structures entirely off-site and factory up to the same local building codes that any on-site build would be. We just do it on a factory floor instead of in a homeowner's backyard. We manage all the on-site work required as well. So your concrete foundation, your utility connections to sewer, water, and electric, as well as delivery and install the units itself. And then the other kind of fun part there is we also manage that permitting process for folks. They aren't dealing with the cities themselves. We have pre-approval programs with multiple cities across California and Washington that allow us to make that experience just a little bit easier. So really what we've set out to do with Abodu is empower homeowners across the areas we serve to add an ADU with just a little bit of effort compared to the typical, very challenging process from start to finish that ADUs can bring for a homeowner. Yeah, I didn't know you guys handled the permitting process as well. Oh, yeah. That's such a headache off. (laughs) The permitting process can be sort of the wild card. Are you guys finding issues taking that on and maintaining the affordability or or kind of you know, the efficiency of what you're trying to build? It's been a big kind of learning piece of our business as the business has evolved. And how do you kind of scale that function, right? Because it's easy to run permitting on 10 active projects, but running permitting on 100 active projects or more, which is where we are right now, requires fundamental different thinking about how you execute that permitting function, right? So one of the ways that we've attacked that is working directly with cities to establish pre-approved ADU programs. What does that mean? It means that because we build the same structures every time, we have three different products, a studio, a one-bedroom, and a two-bedroom, we've worked with those cities up front to say, hey, we're now on project five, six, or seven in your city. You know, you've done the same plan check on the same structure five times now. How about we make this easier for your team? You make it easier for our team, and ultimately, it's easier for your constituents if we can make this process easier for everybody. And so we actually launched that program with the city of San Jose back in 2019, and what that allows us now is to get a permit in San Jose in one hour compared oh, wow. to outside of that program is running nine, 12 plus months right now, right? And, and cities across the border at that same challenge. And so we saw a fantastic amount of success with San Jose early on in that program. And that kind of set the light bulb off of, hey, if you're going to scale this function, you need to build those relationships with cities, understand the challenges they're working through on the permitting side and try and be a partner with them, right? Instead of just banging our heads against the wall. Uh, which which can typically you know be the norm in the construction mm-hmm. industry. Yeah, I'm going through it right now. Have you happened to deal with Inglewood yet? <laughs> we haven't dealt with Inglewood yet, no. But we've uh, okay. God, we're up over. I think we're a little over 50 cities across the West Coast that we've now run permits in over the past two years. So we're uh, we're, we'll be there soon. 
Yeah, it's been a nightmare with this particular city. Uh, just the process is very drawn out and it's a little bit of, of um, administrative issues more so of not being responsive and taking a long time to do anything. Uh, I don't know. I guess if you guys have gone through it a few times, you can have, like you said, have that conversation and work it out with them. So it's a little bit faster, but uh, this has been a nightmare. <laughs> yeah. The speed of permitting, I think, is something that particularly since COVID has become these yeah. really elongated timelines, right? And I think we've seen the waves of that within cities. Wave one was how do we review permits remotely, right? Like what is the software? What are the tools we have to be able to conduct plan checks? And I think wave yeah. two has actually been a massive labor shortage, right? If you're talking mm-hmm. to teams in these cities, they're just struggling to bring on the right amount of mm-hmm. staffing levels to respond to the massive wave of building that's happening, right? A lot of empathy for, for what cities are going through, but also looking for creative ways to help uh, help move that process along quicker. Well, and I think part of what slows up some of that stuff, like they're going to, the cities are going to put whatever manpower they have in something that's going to bring in the biggest amount of revenue too, right? Like the biggest yes. draw. So it's not necessarily somebody's ADU in a backyard. It's the, you know, city built whatever, or the, you know what I mean? Like that kind of stuff. And, you know, we can, it, it's the same in all facets, right? Like even dealing with supply mm-hmm. chains and stuff, when people are looking like, especially yours, like a custom home or a custom piece, they're like, oh, I want the special hardware. Well, the manufacturers aren't putting their effort into the 10%. They're putting their effort into the 80 to 90% because that's what sells, right? So yep. I think you're seeing that kind of bleed into a bunch of different places along the way. So what you're saying makes perfect sense. But to be able to cut it down <laughs> to an hour, holy cow, like that's, that's phenomenal. Like It's pretty done. powerful, right? Yeah. And what you think about what that hour does it, so we have a program we launched around speed, right? Like how, if someone's solving for speed, if they have this need for an AD, right? An acute family need, family member, or loved one, or even someone that says, hey, I'm ready to earn a return on my investment as soon as possible. We wanted to try and build an entire program around that. It's called the Bodu Quick Ship. Essentially, if you think about traditional construction, mm-hmm. you go through design and engineering, you go through permitting. Once you have your permit, then you can start on-site work. You're doing all your procurement at that point, And you kind of have this long drawn out process where it's, a, then B, then C, you can't kind of co-locate those activities. We said, well, what if what if you could rethink this a little bit? The way that you, let's say, I don't really like this analogy, but it's helpful. The way that you purchase a car, mm-hmm. you can go to the dealership and say, I want this model and these are my custom specs. Can you submit it to the factory and then build it in factory and I'll take it in six months? Or you can say, I want that one in the corner of the lot right now. We took that same thinking towards our ADU program and said, well, hey, homeowners, if you want to talk about your countertops, the appliance packages, we can submit that order to the factory. Or we actually have an inventory of a couple dozen units for you to pick from. Which one do you want? And you know what? That's already built. So we don't have to go through the procurement and lead time exercise there. And when you stack that with a one hour permit, what you get is an ability to have a contract to keys ADU in your backyard in as little as 30 days. Right? If we can get that permit in an hour, start site work the next day on site for about 10 days, delivery on day 11, give us another 10 days to finish up and handing over the keys. It's just like a fundamental shift in how you can think about uh, speed of deployment in housing in California. How, how long have you guys been doing this? How long have you been in business? We've been in business for almost four years now. And our quick ship program is about a year old at this point. Okay. Because I mean, the, the and you're saying it's all factory built. So when you're saying it's stocked, you've already got walls built, that type of stuff for a plan and kind of leaning up against floors. the wall, everything. Yeah. Full unit, complete, wrapped, Drywall, windows, flooring, appliances, everything inside already. Wow. The kid, I have to, I have to, add, I mean, cause there's, it's been really, yeah. fun. I love the fact that you're doing this cause it's something that I've thought about for a long time. 
right? Yeah. And and from an ADU side, it's a smaller package, which helps, but you still have a lot of the same logistics issues. So when you're yep. saying you're dealing with drywall, everything already inside complete and wrapped, does it just fit on a truck bed? And so you guys are like, how do you know what I mean? Like ultimately, how does that how does that ship? Because how do the we way, go from A to B? Yeah, because the way that most of the stuff that are doing when they claim factory built is they've panelized everything, right? And so then you go and you put the Legos together on site, but then that means you still have all the interior stuff for the most part you have to finish out. So I'm curious what that looks like without divulging too much into this this yeah. great mix you guys have put together. No, it's a really great question, Jason. I think, you know, we were looking at our model early on. We said, well, how do we, you know, from, from the customer experience side, mm. what does a homeowner want here, right? They want us in their backyard as few days as possible. What is the longest time within the construction cycle? It's that finish work, right? Getting mm. framed up, can happen in a couple of days, but right. then you've got months of finish there. We said, well, that's a really important piece to solve in factory instead of having to do on site. So it eliminated the kind of panelized option for us. Right. So what we do is we work with factory partners across the Western US that can go soup to nuts structure build, right? And then that structure is boat wrapped, right? Big plastic wrap around it, put on the back of a truck and the dimensions of our units are such that it's like just a, in the minimum allowance going down the highway and in kind of all state highway systems. But what it looks like is a house that's wrapped going down the highway on the back of a truck. Um, wow. So while that unit's in construction and factory, right, we, we take care of the foundation work on site pretty quick. We use a concrete T footing perimeter foundation, nothing crazy, but something that homeowners understand and that cities understand. Right. And then on delivery day, we have a, there's a couple different ways of delivery, but I'd say our most standard uh, use is crane. Yeah. So we have yeah. a crane that's set up on the street in front of the home, picks up the unit off the truck, booms it over the house lays it on the foundation, and then that thing's out of there, right? And like delivery day is a three-hour process. That's not a two-week process. I love it. That's right. so cool. <laughs> it's pretty fun, isn't it? Yeah, no, that's, I mean, that's fantastic. And I mean, basically, so you guys are just pouring, so you're getting all the underground stuff done ahead of time while things are yep. being buttoned up or shipped or whatever, and you're literally dropping. Yep. How, do you li- how do you guys like to refer to it? Because there's a lot of people that hated the term manufactured home. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, like, it just has the stigma, right? Even though that's exactly what it is. So what do you guys, from a marketing perspective, label that as? Yep. So there's actually two types of, let's call it prefab housing. One is going to be your manufactured structures. Manufactured structures are governed by your federal HUD codes. That's your Title 25, the same structures you'll see in kind of trailer park communities. Right. The other type of prefabricated construction is called factory built housing. I know it sounds very similar, but it's actually governed by a whole different code. We, so between those two, right, you have kind of three big national players that can do your HUD code manufacturing, Title 25 standard. And then there's a bunch of kind of like smaller mom and pop type regional factories that do your Title 24 local building code. So we've said to go with the latter. We wanted to build units that are up to local building codes, right? So in California, that, that's Title 24 energy code. That's, you know, all the seismic standards you would expect right. for any structure built in California to give homeowners that sense of, hey, what I'm buying is quality. This isn't something that you right. would find in a park community. This is something that would be built on site in my property. The process is just happening on a factory floor instead of in my backyard. Right. But I will say early on, especially there was a stigma, right? People would come, sure. they knock on the walls and they kind of like jump on the floors and like, is this thing springy? Once you walk inside of our unit, it's not. And so actually one of the biggest pieces of our educational efforts was we've established showrooms in LA, the Bay Area in Seattle for homeowners to come walk through our units mm-hmm. ahead of time. Right, no better way to get comfortable around a construction project than to be like, "Oh, this is what's going to be in my backyard. I got it. Like, I totally understand. I know these cabinets. I know right. these walls. Right. Um, and that's gone a long way for us to help kind of eliminate that stigma around prefab." 
let's take a break to share a little bit more about our sponsors. All right, for our California listeners, this is for you. CTO Landscape Architecture in Anaheim, California is a young, ambitious, fast-growing firm providing landscape architecture planning and design services to the AEC industry, real estate developers, and public agencies alike. CTO's expertise with designing California native landscapes and water efficiency calculations makes permitting a smooth, painless process. The CTO team is continuously revising and improving workflows to better meet project milestones while providing the flexibility to work within client schedules. Their work from anywhere, anytime office schedule allows for agility when it comes to delivering client work and balancing personal time and life events. Learn more at ctola.com. That's S-I-T-I-O-L-A dot com. Or you can call or text to 657-217-6169 to see how Citio can help with your latest development project. So we recently had a conversation on the show about a big issue in the AEC industry, which is burnout. At Citio, they're actually a 100% mobile office, which allows for family and personal time to avoid burnout. Allowing the team to produce work at their own schedule from their preferred locations helps to make their team efficient and focused while working with their clients. In addition, their bi-coastal team provides an advantage to produce work while their clients in California are preparing for their day. So reach out to CTO to see how they can help you on your next project. Have you heard of NCARB? It's the National Council of Architectural Registration Boards, and they want to hear from you. Yes, you. NCARB's analysis of practice study is your opportunity to shape the future of architecture. Participate in this industry-wide survey to share your experiences and insights from working in the AEC industry. Your feedback will help guide changes to what being a licensed architect looks like and impact how architects collaborate with other professionals in the future. Again, whether you're an architect or work with architects, NCARB wants to hear from you. So make sure your voice is heard. Contribute to the analysis of practice study today. Sign up at ncarb.org AOP. That's N-C-A-R-B slash AOP. And now let's get back to the conversation. John, now every backyard is not the same. Uh, don't, not every <laughs> code has the same uh, clearances. How do you guys sort of navigate that? Do you have just a ton of plans that can fit different cases or do you guys customize to some extent to fit each condition? Demetrius, this is the like core challenge of trying to scale a standardized product in any type of construction world, right? You look at any 10 lots, almost guaranteed none of those 10 are identical, even in the same development, right? There's an easement here, there's a, you know, power lines along the back there and just random kind of nuances. So what we did from the early design stage is how do we find what the lowest common denominator of those variables are and design within that? Right. So Hmm. one of the big benefits of ADU law within California is it establishes really one of the first frameworks for what we call internally programmatic housing. If this, then that. Right. So California ADU law says if your structure is underneath 16 feet tall and if your structure is under 800 square feet, 
And if your structure is more than four feet off your side and rear property lines, you have the legal right to build. There is no subjective review allowed within your local planning commission, within your neighborhood comments, any of that, right? And so we said, well, let's build our products within that kind of minimum viable, you have the guaranteed right to build so that we kind of eliminate the challenges of planning hurdles city by city, because that is the minimum level each city within California has to, to live by. The harder part gets, you know, my backyard's 44 foot wide versus 45 feet wide. And what does that mean you can do for width? So what we've tried to do there is design kind of three core products that can fit within the largest available market. And now there's still some backyards we can't serve. And that's always tough for us as business owners, right? Like, Mm -hmm. ah, this person really wants what we're able to provide, but the structural issue doesn't allow it. For the time being, we've said, that's just tough. And we're going to have to be okay with that and have those kind of, you know, frank conversations with the homeowners. But the good news is we've developed developed our products and designed our products around the majority of backyards across California and Washington. And so we still can serve quite a few. Wow, that is huge. Do you have a tech background by chance? <laughs> I do not. I was born and raised in uh, Silicon Valley, but I have never worked in tech myself. I have never heard someone in our industry say, if then, if this, then that. Uh, so that's huge. <laughs> um so you guys have been around for four years, you said. Yeah. When SB9 came down, did that shift kind of what you guys were doing, or maybe what you started with, or or how did how did that change the company? And sort of in the beginning, what were those things that you guys were trying to target? So how did that sort of evolve? Yeah. So I think, you know, SB9, which the previous year was trying to be approved as SB1120, has really allowed us to to noodle on some additional opportunities for homeowners across the state. Our model from day one has always been to sell the structure outright for homeowners and allow them to capture all the value appreciation, all the rental income, everything that comes about it, right? There's a couple of groups out there trying to, you know, do like lease to own models, rental share models, things like that. And I think from a foundation of a business, we've always believed in giving homeowners all the upside attached to an ADU. SB9 kind of changes that conversation a bit because it's expensive to conduct an SB9 project, right? There's a ton of cash required to not only spend the time to lot split, but also construct that home in the backyard and then sell the home in the backyard. And so when it was first kind of poised on the on the state legislature two years ago, we started kind of noodling on all the different ways that a Bodu might be able to serve this, right? Things like, hey, we'll install a two bedroom in your backyard, then we'll lot split it after and we'll sell it for you. And you know, there's a revenue share there. Or you know, we'll just do the fee for service and we'll connect you with partners that can help you sell it and you get all of the, the dollars attached, right? There's a lot of different ways. However, in the current iteration of the law, the one that was passed last year and enacted 12 days ago now, there's some big challenges in there that we are more in a wait and see model, right? So especially in an early stage business, there's a couple swings you get to take where you really kind of like bet in the house on that business line. We decided that SB9 wasn't quite worth us diving in full steam, making a huge kind of capital allocation towards when there's still so much unknown about it, right? And yeah. one of the things, you know, stemming back to our deep relationships with cities from our from our kind of master file or pre-approval program, we t- reached out to our city contacts in Q4. Hey, how are you guys thinking about SB9? How are we thinking about rolling this out? What's the framework you're going to apply to this? And what was really alarming is a lot of groups were like, we don't know. Yeah. We have no idea yet. <laughs> Alarming or shocking or not shocking. Right? <laughs> but you you understand where they're coming from because the state yeah. legislator passed this and said, figure it out. And all the local jurisdictions are like, uh, we don't, you know, th- this is new to us. We need time to figure this out. And so we saw a little bit of this with ADUs back when they were first legalized you know, three, four, five years ago here in California. 
the first six to nine months was the Wild West. Jurisdictions weren't quite sure how to apply state law. Builders and architects and homeowners weren't quite sure what they were allowed to do. And so we're anticipating a little bit of that same with SB9. We think as that gets worked out, call it over the next nine to 12 months, there becomes a really interesting opportunity for homeowners across the state to uh, you know, put a home in their backyard and sell it and, and have this great kind of gentle densification. But I do think it's going to take nine months to a year for that to mature and, and have some of that scar tissue built up across uh, the system here. Wow. So what's next for you guys? What's, uh, <laughs> what's on the horizon or is it more just fine tuning now? Yeah, no, we, um, last year was a new year of entering new geographies for us. We were originally based in Northern California, right on the kind of peninsula where our kind of headquarters is in Redwood City. Last year was our first foray into, can we serve LA market? Can we serve the Seattle market? Like what are the challenges that, that come with that expansion? How do you scale this business, those markets? And at the end of last year, we took a look back and said, well, we were pretty successful in both those markets. How do we grow those markets themselves? So for this year, we're starting off by uh, entering San Diego, entering uh, Santa Cruz and Monterey markets as well. So you know, not net new massive geographies, but big expansions of our kind of core markets and excited to see how those kind of early Q1, Q2 results come in from those new markets. But frankly, there are so many homes in Northern California and Southern California in, in Seattle that can take an ADU and so many homeowners that are just coming up the education curve. Our big focus is how do we keep fine tuning our service model to give homeowners that kind of magic experience, right? And it's still construction. There's still the bumps <laughs> and bruises that come with construction. No one's absolved of that. But if you can still make that homeowner at the end of the project say, wow, that was pretty easy, all things considered, Wait, then you've out. had a really successful project. If anybody gives you any crap about not having magic when you do something in 30 days from start to finish, <laughs> like t- just tell them to F off. Be- I mean, because they have no idea like what that what that's coming. So I believe in the magic and the sorcery or whatever it is uh, you guys are bringing. But, thank uh, you, Jason. That's, uh, you, I, you know, I'm, I'm actually like wicked intrigued. I want to go. You said you had a showroom in... Uh, or a place where you can see some of the stuff in LA, right? We serve a lot of Yeah, LA we do. Area. We have a new showroom actually opening up in the Arts District right near downtown uh, in two to three weeks here, actually. Okay, I'll totally want to check that out. I think I think it's brilliant if you, if you, what you guys are doing. That's fantastic. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Yeah, and these are architecturally elevated designs, yeah. uh, very cool looking projects um, or buildings. John, I, I would... Uh, I would not be doing my job if I, I didn't ask this question. What's the what's the price point on these? Yeah, I, I was hoping you would, so I wouldn't have to. <laughs> <laughs> really good question, right? So one of the bigger things as well when we set out to build a Bodu was homeowners think about a project as their out the door cost, right? They aren't like, well, my plumbing bill is going to be X, and my flooring bill is going to be Y, and my window bill is going to be Z, and put that together. And so we tried to do that same uh, aspect, right? How do we productize this for a homeowner so they know exactly what their number is? So when I when I talk about price, it's permitting, utility work, foundation, build and factory, delivery, install, that kind of soup to nuts number. Yep. And our one bedroom, which is our kind of most popular unit right now, it's a 500 square foot, one bed, one bath. That comes in at about 225000 all in. Okay. Now, it's okay. definitely a really strong price point for a lot of the markets we play in. I think, you know, as we get into new markets, that price point starts getting, you know, different. There's different labor availability and material availability and, and costs associated with that in each market. But we've seen... That'd be a, a very fair number that allows us to get the job done on time and, and is very much worth it to a homeowner that may be seeing stick built bids come in at 400, 500,000 for the whole project. Yeah. Totally. And you guys have, uh, do you have multiple factories or is it one factory right now that, that ships everywhere? 
We work with multiple factories. So one of our okay. biggest pieces for how do you stay alive in an environment where supply chains are just royally messed up no. is you need to be working with multiple <laughs> partners so that if, you know, a COVID outbreak on one of the factory floors or, you know, massive window delays, you're able to quickly pivot to make sure that your homeowner experience is as close to magic as possible. Right. Yeah. Uh, so we do work with multiple partners. Anything else, Jason, before we wrap up? No, I want to know the Instagram handle so I can like add it in here and start yes. watching. At my abodu. My abodu. Spell abodu. Yep. At my abodu. We've got some great video content. Our our video team does a fantastic job capturing these homeowner stories, right? Why are they building them? What was their what was their motivation? How has abodu helped? And also there's just some great crane content in there as well. <laughs> so uh, my abodu. And the website, John? is uh, abodu.com a-b-o-d-u.com so i have to i have to throw a little shout out here one of my team members here yeah. in the office looks like they're already following you Woo! which is Love pretty awesome so and i know exactly what she was looking for because she's been asking me questions so i'm totally gonna go talk to her about this so that's rad <laughs> that is great all right thank you so much john um great conversation uh again that's abodu.com uh, abodu.com and what was it at my abodu on instagram yep all right thank you so much john thank you jason for joining me again and thank you to the listeners for listening we will talk again on the next one thanks thanks again for listening don't forget to check out our sponsors by checking them out and supporting them you help us keep this show going. Thank you again to our sponsor, CTO Landscape Architecture. To learn more about how they can help you with your latest project, visit ctola.com. That's S-I-T-I-O-L-A.com. Or you can call or text at 657-217-6169. Thank you to NCAR for their support of this podcast episode. Visit incarb.org slash AOP and contribute to the Analysis of Practice survey today. Thanks again for listening. Spaces is part of the Gable Media Network. You can check out similar content at gablemedia.com. That's G-A-B-L media.com. If you enjoy our show, you can support us in three simple ways for free you can leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or on your podcast app if it allows you to. Tell a friend and follow us on social media. Thanks for spending time with us. Talk soon. Hey, architecture firm owners and emerging leaders, get ready for unparalleled insight into the development of a world-class architecture firm and a worldwide organization driving the digital transformation of the design and construction industry with Build Smart, the podcast that's changing how our profession operates. We share the incredible stories behind innovation in the building industry with my friend and co-host, Patrick McLaney, FAIA. 
former CEO of the international architecture firm, HOK. You know, Yamasaki's office or firm lasted during his lifetime. And when he passed away, I think that was the end of the Yamasaki office. Helmut did not want that. He wanted a firm that would live out and grow beyond the founders. In season one, discover the untold stories behind HOK's meteoric rise. From 150 employees in St. Louis to a powerhouse with over 1,900 staff members and 27 offices worldwide. You know, they weren't as polite as the Kojima people. That was just boom. And anytime you have a creditor, whether it's Kojima or the bank, that wants their money, unless you can raise money someplace else, you are out of business. Bankrupt. Bankrupt. And hold on tight for season two, where Patrick takes us on a new adventure as chairman of Building Smart International, shaping the future of digital transformation in the design, construction, and operation of built assets. Ian Howell, Ken Harold, and I, Ken was my technical representative from HOK. The three of us took a tour of Europe of five cities in five days. Very busy time. Simply follow the link in the show notes to subscribe to Build Smart Now and uncover lessons that will transform you and your architecture firm.